Act Five of Paul Jones by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Berger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One, same decoration as in the third act. Chandeliers lighted and the candles nearly burnt down. A fire in the chimney. A table with paper, writing materials, etc. Marchioness alone, her arm resting on the table, her eyes fixed on the contract, where Lecture had signed his name already, and the Marquis partly his. She rings the bell on the table. A servant appears in the door. Tell Miss Doré I wish to see her. Exit servant. The Marchioness returns, melancholy and immovable, to her first position. What a night! and after all the strife is not yet over that the dead should leave an heir to his secret my son that name which fills the heart of a mother with joy makes me shudder yes there is no other help rings the bell enter la feuille call count emmanuel he went out at ten o'clock this morning with baron de lecteur gone out i saw him get into the carriage call his servant he went with him in whose carriage the baron's let my own be got ready immediately and call my daughter exit la feuille let her but sign this contract let her but quit me and go to town with her brother they must remain in ignorance of all then shall i be left alone i will call him i will offer him my whole fortune in exchange for those papers and can money or pity move his heart then may i hope that fatal secret will be buried forever in those gloomy walls oh could they but speak what horrid tales would they relate enter margaret her entry makes the marchioness raise her head margaret stretches out her hand to her mother madam approach why are you so pale why do you tremble margaret hesitating my father's death so sudden so unexpected i suffered much last night marchioness with a smothered voice yes yes the young tree bows down before the wind and becomes leafless the old oak resists the fury of the tempest i also margaret have suffered i too passed a terrible night and yet you see me calm composed heaven gave you a strong stern soul madam do not ask the same fortitude and sternness of others you would crush them i ask nothing from you but obedience margaret the marquis is dead emmanuel is now the head of our family i want you instantly to leave home for town with him i go to rennes and why because the chapel of our chateau is too small to see at one and the same time the betrothal of the daughter and the funeral of the father mother piety and respect for my poor departed parent should at least let a longer interval take place between two ceremonies so opposite true piety is obedience to the last will of the deceased look at this contract see the first letters of your father's name oh i ask of you when my father traced those letters which death interrupted was he in sound mind did he act from his own free will i do not know 
but what i do know is that the influence under which he acted survives him parents as long as they exist represent heaven on earth heaven commanded terrible things to me and i obeyed act like me obey mother three days ago tears in my eyes despair in my heart i rushed from before my brother to the feet of that man from that man to my father no one would listen to me no one could understand me cold ambition or madness drowned my voice now here am i face to face with you mother you the last to whom i once more address my prayers you too should understand me better than any other therefore hear me had i only to sacrifice my will to your happiness willingly would i make that sacrifice my love only also that but shall i sacrifice my son my child oh no you are a mother a mother's heart beats in your breast and i also madam i am a mother 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 yes to your disgrace call it so madam if you will still i am a mother i feel as a mother that holy feeling is all-powerful well tell me then you must understand these things better than i do heaven instilled a feeling in the heart of our parents a powerful feeling which speaks loudly and our children have they none whom obey if the voice of parent and child disagree never never will you hear the voice of your child for never shall you behold him again never see my child again and who can answer for that forever will his birth remain a mystery to him and if he learns it one day if he calls me to account such things may happen madam and knowing all this do you still persist in my signing that fatal contract marchioness after a moment's silence sign the contract margaret pausing but if my husband ever discovers the existence of that child if he calls the father of that child to account the shame cast in his name his honour if in a deadly conflict a solitary and lonely duel he kills the lover if his conscience reproach him for that murder poignant remorse torments him if he hears a voice from the grave call him assassin and if that husband then become mad marchioness frightened and agitated no more silence then you would let me be shut up with a maniac so that i may keep my name and that of my other children spotless you would then let every living being keep away from me from him my heart becomes iron that i should not feel my eyes are marble that i should not weep and wear a widow's garb a widow's mourning before my husband's death you would have my hair turn grey twenty years before the time silence silence then you would so that horrid secret should die with its keeper i should forbid the physician and the priest to approach their dying beds that i should in despair in agony go myself to close not the eyes but the mouth of the dying smother their last breath marchioness in despair and wildly silence in the name of heaven silence shall i sign the contract now my mother and all that will come to pass the malediction of heaven will be completed the crimes of the parents will be punished in their children until the third and fourth generation oh heaven am i not humbled now am i not punished enough 
margaret falling on her knees before the marchioness pardon me pardon me madam pardon me mother marchioness rising yes pardon ask pardon unnatural child thou who callest vengeance on thy mother child that strikest thy mother pity mercy i know not what i said mother you had driven me to distraction i was insane marchioness raising her hands over the head of her daughter oh heaven thou hast heard the words of my child never can i forget them can thy goodness forgive them ere i punish witness thou that i will spare her my malediction advances in order to go away margaret taking hold of her robe falls on her knees crying out mother mother pity mercy oh mother marchioness turns towards her daughter looks at her with a terrible look pushes her back and exit on the right side margaret falling down and crying out oh fainting enter paul by the centre door paul taking his sister in his arms and raising her margaret sister i am here thy brother margaret recovering who calls me paul oh thou alone paul my guardian angel sent by heaven rises assisted by paul that contract there your fainting explains all it is time to put an end to all these horrors and to see the marchioness at once margaret tell your mother that captain paul is awaiting her orders i go must i not also implore her pardon paul conducts her to the door on the right hand exit margaret i can well explain the feelings of the marchioness twenty years silence solitude anguish rendered of no avail to her her secret revealed she knows not how to one who ought to have been the very last person from whom above all else she would have hidden it enter emmanuel through the back door two pistols in his hands paul salutes him with a kind and fraternal expression emmanuel returns his salute proudly emmanuel places the pistols on the table and steps at some distance from paul i was looking for you sir although i hardly knew where to find you for like an evil genius you possess the gift of being everywhere and nowhere a servant at last told me he saw you enter the chateau i am much obliged to you sir you have saved me the trouble this time to seek you farther i am happy then that my own wish to see you sir though from a different motive met yours this time here i am what is your pleasure can you not guess sir i am astonished then little do you know the duties of a gentleman a soldier and you heap insult on insult paul calmly believe me emmanuel emmanuel haughtily yesterday i was count emmanuel to-day my name is marquis d'oray do not forget it sir paul smiling i say then that you know but little of the feelings of a gentleman if you suppose that i would let any one but myself settle the affair which was one of your own provocation yes sir you you threw yourself in my way not i in yours paul smiling the marquis d'oray forgets his visit on board my ship enough of that sir come we to the point yesterday 
I do not know from what strange and inexplicable sentiment, when I offered you, but not only a gentleman, an officer, nay, any brave man, accepts instantly, without a minute's hesitation, I say, sir, you declined a meeting, and shifting your provocation, you quarrelled with another, not exactly a stranger to our dispute, but one whom delicacy should have taught you to respect. Paul, carelessly. Believe me, sir, I only obeyed a duty which left me no choice. You offered to fight me. I could not accept your offer, and any other was indifferent to me. I am too much used to fighting, sir, to fights terrible and deadly, to view such an encounter in any other light than as one of those daily accidents of my profession. Remember, sir, this duel was not of my seeking. You proposed it, and as I could not fight you, I accepted Baron de Lactor, as I would any other substitute, and, had I absolutely to kill somebody, I preferred that it might be a puppy, a useless, insolent coxcomb, rather than a brave and honest gentleman who would have considered himself disgraced, even should he only dream of accepting that infamous bargain which Baron de Lactor seriously proposed to you. Well, I met him. No blood was shed. I disarmed him twice, and might have killed him. I spared his life. Ask nothing more, seek no other explanation, for upon my honour I cannot give you any. Emmanuel impatiently. And you did really believe that mock fight would satisfy me, because I did not prevent it? Did you think that cloak would save you from my anger? No, sir, enough of your whims. We live in a world, not of fiction, but of reality. Your presence in this house has been fatal enough in reality, surrounded with no more romance. Lusignan has returned, in spite of his majesty's order of exile. My sister, for the first time, refuses to obey her mother. My father killed by seeing you. Those misfortunes all are your work. Your presence converted this house into one of woe, of misery and you must answer to me for all the evils you have done. Therefore, sir, speak to me as man to man, in open daylight, face to face. Speak to me, sir. See, I am as calm as you are. If you have anything of importance to disclose, tell me so. I will hear you. Paul, calmly. The secret you want to know is not mine. Believe me, sir. Insist no longer. Farewell. Emmanuel, rushing towards the door and barring the passage. Oh, you do not leave me, sir. We are alone here in this chamber. I did not bid you come. You came at your own pleasure. Now hear me. You have insulted me. You owe me satisfaction. Fight, you must, and you must fight me. You are mad, sir. I have told you already. It is impossible. Then let me... Emmanuel, taking a pistol... Take care. Take care. Paul goes towards the chimney. Sir, vainly did I address you as a gentleman. I might not treat you as a villain. You came to us, strangers to you. Why and how I know not. If you came not to steal our money, our jewels, you came to steal a daughter's duty to her mother, a friend's sacred promise to a friend. In either case, you are a villain who lays hand on a treasure. My honour, the most precious of all. Do not provoke me. Do not insult me. I will hear no more. Take that pistol. He throws a pistol at Paul's feet. Defend yourself. 
he takes the other pistol paul without changing his position you may kill me sir if you choose though i hope heaven will not permit so great a crime but you cannot force me to fight you i told you so i tell you so again take up that pistol sir take it up i tell you defend yourself paul without answering shrugs his shoulders and pushes the pistol back with his foot emmanuel continuing exasperated well then if you will not defend yourself like a man die like a dog raises the pistol towards paul's breast enter margaret margaret cries out rushes towards emmanuel at the same time his pistol is fired but the ball's direction is changed by the position of margaret passes above paul's head and strikes the looking-glass over the chimney margaret rushing towards paul and pressing him in her arms my brother my brother are you hurt emmanuel lets his pistol fall your brother your brother well emmanuel do you understand now why i would not fight you the door in the centre opens the marchioness pale enters stops in the door raises her eyes to heaven emmanuel and margaret throw themselves at her feet each holding one of her hands and covering it with tears and kisses marchioness after a moment's silence i thank you my children now leave me alone with that young man emmanuel and margaret rise bow with respect and exeunt marchioness locks the door after her children are gone walks a few steps in the chamber then without looking at paul goes towards the table on which the contract is lying and leans on the back of the armchair before the table her eyes bend to the ground you wish to see me sir here i am you wish to speak to me i am ready to hear you paul with an accent full of tears yes madam yes i wish to speak to you since that wish was mine for the first time it has not left my heart i did remember a woman as a dream long long ago gliding to my cradle in my infant dreams i took her for the guardian angel of my childhood since that time still so fresh in my memory more than once madam believe me i awoke starting as if i felt a mother's kiss imprinted on my cheek then perceiving no one near me i called that woman believing she was gone out only and that my voice would recall her for twenty years madam have i called her and now for the first time she answers at my call is it true often have i shuddered at the thought that you were afraid to see me is it true alas i am afraid this moment have you nothing to say to me marchioness with a suffocated voice and if i was afraid to see you come back was i in the wrong only yesterday i perceived you for a moment and that terrible secret which until now was unknown to any but heaven and myself is known to my two children is it my fault if heaven undertook the mission to reveal it was it i who conducted margaret despairing and trembling to her dying father to implore his aid and made her an unwilling witness to his dying confession did i bring her to a shards was it not you madam who followed her hither as for emmanuel the report of the pistol you heard that broken glass do they not bear witness that i prefer to die rather than save my life at the risk of your secret no no madam believe me 
I am the instrument only, not the arm. No, madam, heaven alone directed all for the best, in his almighty providence, that your two children, so long banished from your embraces, might throw themselves at your feet. Marchioness, hesitating. But there is a third. What may I hope? What may I fear from him? Let him accomplish a last duty, madam. That done, he will kneel before you, and ask for your commands. And what is that duty? To restore his brother to that rank to which he is entitled. His sister, that happiness which he has lost. His mother, that peace of mind, that tranquillity which she implores, and cannot find. And for all that, the minister, thanks to you, refuses to Baron de Lecture the regiment which he had promised him for my son. Paul, taking a commission from his pocket, because the king has already granted it to me for my brother. Marchioness looks at the commission. Then you would give Margaret to a man without a name, a fortune, and more, an exile, a proscribed. You are mistaken, madam. I wish to unite Margaret to the man she loves. I wish to give Margaret not to Lusignan, the exile, but to Baron Anatoly de Lusignan, his majesty's governor-general for the island of guadalupe who is waiting for his wife on board my ship there is his commission take them both madam and deliver them yourself to your children marchioness looks at the parchments and receives them from paul yes i confess this satisfies emmanuel's ambition makes margaret happy and restores you to peace to comfort madam for emmanuel and margaret leave to-night she to join her husband, he his regiment, and you will remain alone in this old castle, which you have longed to have so often. Am I right, madam, or am I mistaken? But how to break off with Baron de Lecture? The Marquis is dead, madam. Is it not a sufficient cause to postpone a marriage when a husband, a father, is dead? Marchioness looks at him a moment, sits down, writes a few lines, and rings for a servant. Enter servant. This letter, two hours hence, to Baron de Lecture. Servant takes the letter, bows, and exits. Now, sir, as you have done justice to the innocent, now have pity on the guilty. You have those papers which affirm your birth. You are the eldest, at least the law gives you that privilege. You are entitled to the name, to the fortune of Emmanuel and Margaret. What do you ask in exchange for those papers? Paul takes the papers out of his pocket. Permit me, only once, to call you mother. Call me your son, your son, once only. Marchioness, rising. Is it possible? You talk of rank, of name, of fortune. Is my name not known? Have I not acquired a rank which few men of my age possess? I have a name. The name of Paul Jones, blessed by a free people, the terror of her enemies. Am I not the adopted child of a great nation? Did not the immortal Washington call me the champion of liberty? Is not my name blessed by millions of happy freemen? Wealth, riches, what have I to do with them? I might acquire wealth enough to be a king, to leave an emperor's fortune behind me. Are not the thanks, is not the gratitude of America, worth all the paltry honors, the baubles a king could bestow on me? 
what have I to do, then, with your name, your rank, your fortune? Have you nothing else to offer, nothing else to bribe me with? Oh, give me, restore me, what I never had, what I have missed everywhere. Give me what I cannot rustle for. Give me what God gave me, what misfortune took from me, what you alone can restore to me, you alone. Oh, give me a mother. Oh, let me call you mother. Call me son. Marchioness moved to tears. My son, my son, my son. Paul goes quickly to the chimney, throws the papers in the fire, throws himself at the feet of the Marchioness, who has fallen back on her chair. My mother! Ah, oh, at last, that name, that sweet sound from your lips, from your heart. So long have I asked, waited, prayed for it. Thanks! Oh, heaven! Thanks! Hides his head in the bosom of the Marchioness. Marchioness raises his head, looks at him. Oh, look at me! Let me weep a mother's tears of joy. Twenty long years have my eyes been dry. These are my first tears. Give me thy hand. She places it on her heart. Twenty years have passed, and this is the first joyful feeling, the first delight my heart has known. Come to my arms. The first embrace, the first kiss. Kisses him. From my child for twenty years. Merciful father, I thank thee. The sinner is pardoned. Thou hast restored tears to my eyes, joy to my heart. Thou hast restored me the embraces of my child. Thanks. Oh, heaven, thanks. Oh, my son. Kissing him. Mother. And I was afraid to see thee again. I trembled when I did see thee again. I did not know. I did not know what feelings lay dormant in my own heart. Oh, oh, bless thee, bless thee. I bless thee. At this moment, the bell of the chapel strikes. A signal gun is heard. Paul kneels again. My son, what wouldst thou? Did you not hear, mother? A second signal gun is heard. Two signal guns. One more, and I must haste away on board. Third signal gun is heard. Then thou wilt quit me already. This very night must I depart. Blessed be the son who, after twenty years of sorrow, of anguish, has restored peace to his poor mother's mind. May heaven pour his blessings on thy devoted head forever and ever. We shall never meet again in this world. But I shall hear of thee, shall I not? And when that name strikes my ear, the name of Paul Jones, when a great nation pronounces it with veneration, then will I kneel and pour a mother's blessing before the throne of grace. Bless thee, my child, my son. Farewell. Farewell. Paul, rising. Farewell, mother. Bless thee. Farewell. 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 Farewell, mother. Farewell, farewell. I leave thee, mother. Thy son has done his duty. Now, to my adopted country, glorious America. Farewell, farewell. Exit Paul, hurriedly. Marchioness looks round her. Gone, 
then i am left alone let me pray for him on his father's grave end of act five end of paul jones by alexandre dumas translated by william berger